Mm. So every year we recognize graduates. And this one's special to me. I told her that I was going to make her cry so I wouldn't look so crazy up here. But uh, <laughs> she came to us and, uh, you know, none of us have ever went to church because we was chasing a boy or a girl or anything like that. I know none, none of us have done that. But she was dating this guy in our youth and here she came. They, they parted ways and, and I thought, she'll be gone. She wasn't. She has stepped up and been the best leader of any student I've ever seen. She, uh, she has taken these girls and they look up to her. Uh, I always heard a, a pastor used to say that a great leader is not determined by what he does, but by the people that he's raised up under him does. And uh, this girl, she made me look good. I mean, better than I deserve, for sure. But these women, uh, these young women and the youth, man, they look up to her. And she stepped up big in the last year. And so I didn't know they were going to play this video while I was trying to talk. You know, I thought they'd do that before or after or something like that. And I... They're flashing these pictures in front of me. So, but anyways, Jordan, get up here and let me give you this Bible. All right. Let me get rid of these now. I'm done with them. Ah, my goodness. For those of y'all who don't know me, my name is Brad Wortham. I'm the youth pastor here at Palmerdale. And um, Jeff asked me to speak this morning. And, and, of course, if he asked me to speak, the answer for me is always yes. And so I'm honored uh, to speak this morning to you. Uh, back during Holy Week, we traveled around all the different churches. And Jeff preached on a Sunday night up at the Methodist Church in Palmerdale. And then on Wednesday night, we were down at Solid Rock. Uh, that Wednesday night and I kind of got there a little bit early and I was sitting about three rows deep and there was these three sweet little ladies sitting behind me and and they talked about everything I mean they solved all of Penson's problems in about 15 minutes and I was just taking it all in and and uh, this one lady she tapped me on the shoulder and she said hey I said yes ma'am she said I just want to let you know Sunday night up at that Methodist church, she said, man, you killed it. And I said, thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I, I finally broke down and told her, hey, that wasn't me. That, that was my pastor. And uh, so, so the preaching's not going to be as strong this morning, but you will get chubby cheeks and all that stuff. So uh, there's that. So, but honestly, it's an honor to serve under Jeff. Y'all honor our pastor. So, I don't know about y'all, but as, as a kid, I remember my grandparents that about at 9 or 10 o'clock, one of them, 
you were catching the 9 or 10 o'clock news. Like, you couldn't go to bed until you caught the news. So I don't know if you were a kid and remember that or if, or if you were the parent or the grandparent that that was the case, but it was always like, hey, we can't go to bed. The news ain't come on yet. We, so you had to stay up and catch the news. And now I can't even watch the news because everything you turn on is just horrible. There's nothing good on the news anymore. And so we can't even watch it. It's just all this dark and darkness and wickedness in the news. And so, but as, we, as I thought about that this week, God's called us to be light in that darkness. He's called us to that. And, and we've talked about it a bunch over the last few months. And some people will say that we're living in the end days. And some people say, well, no, we're not. And, and there's a lot of questions about that. And, and Jeff's touched on it several times. And, and the answer is, I don't know if we are or not. Jeff don't know if we are or not. I tell you who does know is God the Father. He's the only one that knows if we're living in the last days or not. Even Jesus doesn't know. He's sitting there. He's ready. He's got his horse saddled up. He's ready to come back. But until God the Father says, go get him, even he don't know. So we, we debate whether we're in the last days or not. And even though we don't know that, I can tell you one thing. This is not the time for us not to be ready. It's not the time for us to sit here and not be ready for him to come back. We're going to look this morning at uh, the story of Noah. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. He said, just like in the days of Noah, it's going to be the same way in the coming of the Son of Man. And so we're looking at, at what that means, and we're going to look at how God had intended on destroying the world and starting over because of all the wickedness that was in the world. And God said, I'm fixing to wipe this thing clean. And we're going to look in the story of Noah about kind of what that looks like. I'm going to tell you a story before we jump into that. There, there was a, a little girl who was a Christian, and she was in school, and they were talking about Jonah and the whale, and... And she said, yeah, this happened. And the teacher said, no, no, the teacher was not a believer. And she said, that's physically impossible. There's no way that a fish swallowed Jonah. And the little girl said, yeah, absolutely. The Bible said that it happened, it happened. And, and the teacher said, it's just impossible. It's not, there's no way that happened. And so the little girl said, well, I'll tell you what, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah myself. And so the teacher says, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And she said, then you ask him. So, uh, if that was too much, y'all email Jeff. My email's down. Uh, but I, I say that to you uh, seriously that sometimes we try to limit the capabilities of God down to the size of what our brain can comprehend. And we can't do that. God's capabilities are so much higher than what we can comprehend. So, although that school teacher couldn't comprehend it, the little girl had faith that it was so, and so we should be the same way. If you will, go with me in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every indication of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. It says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. 
So the Lord said, I'll wipe them from the face of the earth and the human race that I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. And notice this last sentence, there's a but. There's always something, when you're reading the Bible and there's a but, there's always something good coming after it. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so, as God has threw his hands up, there's all the wickedness, and he's fixing to wipe this thing clean and start over. It says that he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, you see, God saw the wickedness on earth back in the days of Noah. He sees the wickedness on earth right now. If he saw it then, he sees it now. God can see the wickedness, and he's grieved by that. But instead of him wiping it clean, it says that he found favor in Noah. I want to tell you this morning that he's looking for some Noahs. He's looking for somebody that will make a difference. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He's looking for us. He's hunting people that are going to make a difference. In order for us to do that, that chart right there, we've got to do those things right there. We've got to know God. We've got to find people. We've got to find our purpose. We've got to discover our calling. We can't do any of that. If we're, not, if we're not doing those four steps right there, we can't be difference makers for the kingdom. We're always quick when something doesn't go our way or there's a problem. We always run to God and want Him to do something about it. We're always asking God, hey, can you do this? God wants us to do something now. It's time for us to do something. And He's called us to that. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. He said, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, that he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. I want you to to really, I'm going to read this first line again. He says, When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, what would it look like if when we died our tombstone said, Hey, that guy right there, that girl right there, they serve God's purpose in their generation. In order for us to do that, we've got to believe that we're difference makers. We're all difference makers, but we've got to believe it before we can do anything about it. We've got to be difference makers for those that are closest to us. Because... We have influence over people that are close to us. God gave us an example of this in the story of Noah when he said to Noah, he said, go to the ark. And he said, take your whole family with you because I found righteousness in you. I found you to be righteous. He said, you go to the ark and take your family with you. He didn't just say, hey, Noah, I found righteousness in you. You go ahead and go to the ark and save yourself. He said, take your whole family with you. And so those that are closest to us are the ones that we have great influence over. We have a, a, a sphere of influence over these people that are close to us. I want to challenge you this morning to do something about that. Like, Invite your family, invite your friends to church. Get them here. I promise you, Jeff can call and invite your friends to church. And I can call and invite your friends to church. But guess what? They don't know me and Jeff, so they're probably not coming. 
But if you call them, you've got influence over them, and they'll probably show up. And when they do, then Jeff will present the gospel to them. That, all you have to do is just get them here. We have a great influence over the people that are close to us. And we're going to get to this in a minute, but sometimes we don't invite people here because we're worried about what they might think about us. Because we're, we're living a different life in our everyday life than we're living on Sundays and Wednesdays. And so sometimes we worry about, well, what's Joe at work going to think if I invite him to church? Who cares? Who cares what Joe thinks? Just invite him and get him here. And I promise you, if you get them here and your friend gets saved, man, what better feeling than that? We've got to believe that we're difference makers for our generation. We've got to believe that we can make a difference for this generation. Sometimes that we get so caught up in what's going on in the world that we're receiving what the world's dishing out to us. And God never intended us to be worldly. We let culture, culture is, is changing who we are. And culture can't change us. I always had a pastor who always used to say, don't, you can't create culture, you have to be culture. Man, that's, that's pretty strong. You can't create something, you've got to be it, you've got to live it. And right now, the world, the culture of the world is trying to transform us, and God's saying, no, stand in this that you already have. You be the culture. Don't conform to what the world has. That he's calling us to be the change, to serve in his generation. In Jeremiah 15, 19, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. He says, If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. And he says, Let the people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. God's telling us in his word, Do not turn to the world. The world has nothing to offer us. We've got to be a difference maker in our generation. We also have to believe that we can be a difference for God. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth seeking those who are dedicated and devoted to Him. Like He's looking for us. We've got to believe that we can make a difference for God. God's looking for difference makers. When you came in this morning, there were people at both doors that were, that were greeting you good morning. And then when you got past them, there was people that were shaking your hand, telling you that they're glad you're here. And then you got past them, and there was musicians up here singing. And there's people back there doing sound and lights and, and video. And there's people rocking babies. There's people all over this building. There's people here this morning before you got here praying for you. And so there's people all in this building that if you didn't know, that you just you came for church, but there's people that are all over this building that are here being difference makers. And God's called us all to be a difference maker. Now, I'm not trying to sign you up for the nursery or anything like that. But, I mean, would the church run better if you were, if you were involved? Sure. Is it going to keep running if you don't get involved? Sure. But we're not here plugging for us to, to come do some work. Because I promise you that when you get involved in doing something, God's going to grow you in that. It's not about us working or, or serving in the church. It's all when you start doing those things, God stretches you and grows you. It's a blessing to you far more than it'll be to somebody else what you're doing for them. So I want to encourage you to be difference makers. God's looking for people to be difference makers.
Ezekiel 22.30 said, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall. I guess Trump wasn't around before they got to that. But he, he says, I was looking for people that would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I wouldn't have to destroy it. So I, I'm reading this verse over and over again. I'm thinking, man, who wouldn't do that? Why wouldn't, he was looking for people, but he couldn't find anybody. And so I'm going, why would people not stand in the gap for God? And the only thing that I can come up with is fear. They're afraid. And so I'm going to dispel some fears this morning. Some of us are here this morning and we're afraid of our past. Our past has us crippled this morning. God never intended for us to stay in our past. There's nothing that we could have done in our past that disqualifies us for what God has for us. And you think, well, man, I messed up. Guess what? Man, I messed up. But that didn't stop God from using me. It's not going to stop God from using you. I promise you that people in this world that are hurting, they want to hear from hurting people. They don't want to hear from somebody that's got it all together. They want to hear from somebody else that's hurting. They want, you, they want to know that you understand where they're coming from. And so we've got to stop living in our past. God's Word says in Romans that no gifts in His call, that God's gifts in His call are irrevocable. There's nothing you can do to make them go away. Nothing in your past matters. You can't cancel or rescind God's call on your life. When He calls you, you're called. He don't care about your past. We'll use that as an excuse. I know, I used it for a long time. A long time. We've got to get past that. God doesn't care about your past. Some people are afraid of the crowd. We get afraid of the crowd. This is a good message for our young people and for our men, you know, because we care what people think. This is good. We get afraid of the crowd what people are going to think about us. Thank God Noah didn't care what people thought. Can you imagine that brother's out there building a boat and people are going, hey, what's that? He said, uh, it floats on water. They said, what's that? He said, hey, it's going to rain. They said, we never seen no rain. What's that? He said, well, you're going to see it. Just wait. Can you imagine how crazy they thought that brother was? He's building a boat and, and they're going, we don't even know what you're talking about. Can you imagine what they said to him? They ridiculed him, but he didn't care what people thought. He was just bold. He stood in his belief. Some of us need to be bold. Some of us, some of us worry when we go out to, we get to Munoz after church. We're going we're gonna to beat the Methodist up there too, I promise. Hey, and when we get up there, we, we'll get to worrying about what the people next to us are thinking when we get ready to pray for our food. You know what I mean? Some of us are just not bold. But I got to where when people stare at me when I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, bless this food. Thank you for its nourishment. Lord, Lord, bless this guy next to me who's staring right now. Bless his food too. I, I mean, you just got to be bold. Who cares what the guy next to you thinks? It's time for us to stand up and be bold. Proverbs 29, 25 says that fear of a man will prove to be a snare, but for whoever trusts in the Lord will always be safe. 
Who cares what people think? We got to get past that. We can't be ashamed of our God. We got to stop being silent about our God. It's time for us to go all in. Who cares what everybody else thinks about it? If I said, who cares what everybody else thinks about what we're doing? We got to stand up and be bold for God. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. All right. To be a difference maker, we've got to be more concerned about obeying God than looking foolish. We've got to be more concerned about obeying our God than we are about looking foolish. Who cares what people think? We've got to move past that. We've got to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about us and stand up for our God. Some of us are here and, and we're afraid of taking that first step, right? Because that first step, and it's always the hardest one, it's always the trickiest one. It's like when you get to the swimming pool for the very first time in the summertime. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get, you get over there and you stick, stick your big toe off in that water. It's like, Man, that was cold. You ain't getting in there. And then a little while later, you, you come over here to the shallow end. You, you start, you ease down in there. You say, man, this water's cold. Huh? You get another little step. And you do that for a while, you know, you 15 minutes has went by and you're about this deep. And you say, right, you get back out, I ain't getting in that water. And then a little while later, you, you just go dive off in the deep end, right? And it wasn't bad, it was over with. Like it wasn't cold when you dove off in the deep end. It's time for some of us to jump, you know what I'm saying? It's time for us to quit tippy-toeing around in the water and get in. Noah jumped. That brother was building a boat. Nobody had ever seen any water before. Noah was warned about things that he had not yet seen, and out of holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. I mean, what do we have to be afraid of? God's been nudging some of you for a while, and you've been resisting. and saying, uh-uh, I did it. God was nudging me. I said, you got the wrong guy. I ain't cut out for this. For a year, year and a half, every time he'd nudge me, nope, wrong guy. He's nudging some of y'all and y'all resisting him. I hope that that ends today because I'm fixing to get ready to nudge y'all some more. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12 says, that the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. He said, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. He said, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And it says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then after that, he says, uh, the earthquake came. And a fire. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some of us, God's been whispering to us. He's been whispering things like, don't do it. Don't do it. Because you're about to cave into something and the Spirit's convicting you. And He's saying, don't do it. Some of us, He's saying, do it. He's, and he's whispering to us, you're tired of sitting on the sideline, aren't you? Get in the game. We're, we're nudging him off. No. Some of us, he's saying, hang in there. 
Don't you give up hope. Just hang in there. Some of us, he's saying, take the risk. And he's telling us, hey, that risk is not as big as you think it is. Just take the risk. And for some of us, he's whispering, hey, just apologize. And we're saying, if it wasn't us, it was them. We didn't do anything wrong. And he's saying, I know, but let it go. Just apologize. Move past it. For some of us, he's whispering that we need to get some help. Whatever we're battling, he's whispering to us to get help. For some of us here, he's whispering to slow down. I'll own that. When I got in this message, that hit me right here. He said, he's saying reduce your life down to what matters the most. Forget about all that other stuff. Slow down. You're running in 90 directions. None of that other stuff even matters. For some of you, he's saying, hey, there's more. There's more out there for you. You know God's got good things for you, but you keep resisting him. And some of you, he's saying, you can do it. And you're saying, no, I can't. He said, you can do it. He said, no, I can't do it, Lord. And he said, when I come along beside you, you can. Listen to me, church. You got to step out to find out. You have to step out to find out. You have to be a difference maker. And when you do that, then you grow in the Lord. Genesis 9.13 says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. He said there's a rainbow in the clouds that is a sign of the covenant between him and the earth. And when we look at that, we say, well, what, what is that? And he says in Matthew 28, 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you all the days to the very end of the age. So he's saying, even when there's clouds, even when it's raining, he says, I know it rained. I know it rained. I know you're going through a storm. I know you're scared. He said, rainbow. That rainbow is a promise that he's with us, no matter what the storm is. And that's God's promise for all of us that are afraid of failure. Because some of us here are afraid of failure. God doesn't want us to be afraid of failure. He wants us to do what he's called us to do. He wants us to be difference makers. Y'all got these in your bulletin this morning. And I've heard everybody running around going, what is this thing? What are we doing with this? And I heard them go to Jeff. Jeff, what is this? Such and such wants to know what this is. And, and no, nobody knew. Well, that's because I came down here last night and put these in the bulletins after nobody was here. <clears throat> so I want you to take these out for a minute. And we're going to make two creases on this ruler. I want you to take it. And whatever age you are right now, Somewhere close to that age, just fold that card and make you a good crease in it. And I want you to go to the other side of it and pick out an age that you think you're probably you're gonna you're gonna make it to before you hit glory. Whatever age you think that is, I want you to fold it again right there. That that last one you just folded right there. Take right there and tear that one off there to the right. 
that, that piece of paper you got in your hand, hey, that, that thing right there, it's going to glory with Jesus. It's, that's an eternity right there. And I want you to take this other piece, and from where you're at now, your age now, I want you to tear it. And that piece on the left that you got, that's on the left side, that's your past. Guess what God thinks about that? Huh? He don't care. He don't care. This piece you got right here, that's what you got left. That's it. That's what you got left. God's called you to make a difference with this. I'm going to pray and the, and the band's going to come back up. Y'all just do business with Jesus this morning while we pray. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord. We are so thankful for your many blessings. We ask that you would just be in this room, Lord. We ask that you would work in people's hearts this morning, Lord. I pray that if, if somebody's here this morning and they're going through things, Father, and, and you've been nudging them and you've been pushing and they've been resisting you, Lord, I pray that stops today. Lord, I pray that everybody here from, from this moment forward will be difference makers, Lord, that we choose to be difference makers, that we choose to be a difference maker for, for those close to us, Lord, for our generation, for you, God. We, we just ask that we would refuse to live in fear from this moment forward and that we're going to show up and be difference makers for you. Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice this morning that if you're nudging them, they, that they would take that first step, that they wouldn't tiptoe out in that aisle. They'd run down it this morning, Father. We just, we give you honor and glory this morning. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.